Good to have you all here today. The rest of our worship team is still out in California. If you've been up on Facebook, you will get some updates on things that are going on with them. I posted some to the church page if you want to go up there and see that. We're going to be over in Acts chapter, Acts chapter 10 today. Acts the 10th chapter. Have you ever um, wondered why do, why do people have prayer services before service starts? What are we supposed to accomplish in those prayer times? Why is it that we here at the church, we have 9.30 all church prayer, we have time for people to come together. What do we, what do we want to do there? Is our, is our purpose to come together and to ask God to bless the service? Is our purpose to come together and to consecrate ourselves, to be used by God? What is the purpose of prayer when we come together? And a lot of times, folks, because we don't know what the purpose is, we don't accomplish anything we're supposed to accomplish there. We're going to be talking about some of that. We're going to be talking about how we can, as believers, tap into the things that God has put on the inside of us. How we can tap from the Spirit instead of what a lot of Christians do is we glean from what our mind has, what's in our mind. And for a a good number of Christians, we can't tell the difference between what comes to our mind and what comes to our spirit. We're going to look over some of the things that will, will help with that. I think for the most part, if you look at charismatic, full gospel type churches like this, if you ask them, how do you stir up the spirit on the inside of you, most of us will say tongues, praying tongues. And if that's all you do, it is why your spiritual life is so weak. So we're going to look at a, a chapter in the Bible in which somebody did something else beside praying tongues to put them in a place for God to use them. And it comes from the New Testament in Acts chapter 10. Last week we looked at Joseph's dream back in the Old Testament. We saw that he had a dream and his brothers came up with the same interpretation. His um, father came up with the same interpretation and it was a wrong interpretation. It was a wrong thing. And even today, many people still teach on that as if this was the interpretation of the dream that he was going to be a ruler and that was not the interpretation. We showed you some, spent some time in it last week, showed you what it was actually there to be. But we take so often a lesser meaning instead of drawing out what was supposed to be, what was there for us to have. And here we're going to see the same thing in the, in the book of Acts. Last week when we were teaching on this, I was, uh, you know, sometimes you're coming up here, things come to your spirit, things come to your mind. You have to dis- differentiate between the two. But this came up in my spirit and this particular story that we're going to get into here today, it came up in my spirit and I thought I was just supposed to mention it. And I started to go off and, to, and start to mention it and to show where this kind of is the same thing of what Joseph had gone through, and uh, I just was checked on it. So I held back on it a little bit, found out that it's because we're supposed to get into this today, we're supposed to spend some time on this. This particular story, can't say we got into it a whole lot, I actually look back and see what we did, and over the last eight years we covered this story three times, but one of those times about a year and a half ago. And um, I like to sometimes have a little bit more time in between, but we're going after it for this for a different reason than we went after it before. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 10, we're going to pick up with the story of Peter. Now, how many know that Peter is a guy who knew how to draw from his head? Not his spirit. But he eventually did learn how to draw from his spirit. And he got into moving into there. Let's read this in verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment. A devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, 
he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, and when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when that angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. How would you like it that you are praying, ministering to God, and all of a sudden up in your spirit says, God speaks to you and says, go to the Wawa in Warrington and buy a cup of coffee and the guy who's going to check you out, his name is Peter. And when he checks you out, I want you to say this to him. How many of you would do that? How many of that would push you just a little bit too far? <laughs> that might just be a little bit too much out of my leg. I don't know if I'm quite ready to, to walk into a Wawa. And, and know. Of course, in Wawa, it's a little bit easier because they have the name tags there. They have, the, they have those things going. That does, that does help you out. I love looking at people's name tags. They're there for a reason. And so every time that I get waited on by somebody or I'm in a Wawa or uh, wherever it is that we are, if they have somebody who has a name tag, my eyes always dart for the name tag. And then I, I look at them and I say, Hey, John, how you doing? And just, just talking about it. And I shock a lot of them because they're not used to being called by the name. They're just, you know, yo. <laughs> Do this over here, whatever it might be. But, um, you know, you can do that. But here, he knows his, he knows his name. He's not, not even Jewish. And God had a vision for him and spoke to him and said, go to this city. Go to this guy's house. He's a tanner. And ask for Peter. And he's going to come. And he's going to minister to you. So he calls three people around. Now imagine this. You, gotta, you always got to try and put yourself in these positions where these people are if you want to understand these stories. It's important to do that. Say that I came into church one day and I, commend, I, I told all you folks I had a vision last night and God told me that there was a person by the name of Sam at a particular house in the neighborhood over here. And he told me that we're supposed to go knock on the door and lay hands on that person and they would be healed. So I want three people to go over there and do it. Now, how many of you are thinking, well, you got the vision. You go. (laughs) You see, that's what's happening right here. Cornelius is calling three people who did not have the vision, who did not see what God said. To go and do what God said to do. How much confidence do they have in Cornelius? That speaks quite a bit, doesn't it? And they went off and did this as if they heard it themselves. That's pretty tough to do. I mean, it'd be, it'd be tough to do if you had the vision, wouldn't it? But if you didn't have the vision, somebody else had the vision, that could be a little bit, a little bit tough to do. Now he's... It says he was at the ninth hour. That's about 3 p.m. And it specifically says he clearly, in a vision, 
saw this. He clearly saw this in a vision. I want you to notice this. I gave you some blanks in here. The angel gives him specific instructions for an unspecified reward. He gives you specific instructions for an unspecified reward. Now think about that. We would rather have unspecific instructions for a specified reward than we would the other way around. If I'm going to get a reward, I want to know what it is. Not, well, you know, when you get there, you'll like it. Um, maybe not. I might not. might not like it. We want, to, we want to know. But Cornelius, in a vision, he's told, this is what you do. Very specific instructions. But why don't we continue to give the specifics on the reward? Why don't we, why don't we leave off there? But he left that very open. But he still obeyed. He still did it. Let's go on here and see what happens next. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners descending to him and let down on the earth. In it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed you must not call common. This was done three times, and the object was taken up into heaven again. Now, how many of you have ever been very, very hungry? Very, I mean, very, very hungry. You are, all you can think about is, is food. When you get that hungry, how many of you think of cows? How many of you think about pigs? See the pigs, you know, just walking around over there. How, how many people do that? No, what do we think about? We think about stuff on plates. Not stuff with feet still attached. I want to see a steak on a plate. I don't want to see a cow walking around in a field or in a blanket. Right? We want to, when we're hungry, we envision the food being ready, not still needing to be killed and prepared. So the hunger has not spawned this vision. Because if he was hungry, he'd be thinking of whatever Jewish meals that they make. I'm not real, real uh, up on what kind of Food is particularly Jewish. But uh, I'm sure that's what he's, he's thinking about. Some kind of kosher meal. And he says to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. So not only do you have to kill it. I imagine in this is prepare it. I don't think he just wants them to eat it raw. <laughs> kill and eat. And so Peter says, to the Lord. This is the vision. He's in a trance. This is the vision that comes down. He says to the Lord. Let me paraphrase this for you. No. Isn't that what he's saying? The Lord comes down, drops the sheet, all these unclean animals on it, and the Lord says, kill and eat. And he says, no. Not going to do it. Nope. 
Not going to kill and eat. Nope. I have never eaten anything unclean or common. And the voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. How many times did this vision happen? Three times. How many people think that this happened three times because Peter denied Christ three times? And it's the most ridiculous thing in the world. It's it's what you call taking a light meaning out of something. Every time that something happens three times, they always go back to, well, he denied Jesus three times. Remember when Jesus came to Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, I love you. And he says, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my lambs. And three different things he said to them. And each time Peter says, Lord, I love you. And we've talked about it before. When you get into the Greek, that's not what was going on. Peter said, Jesus says, Peter, do you agape me? Peter says, I phileo you. Peter, John says, or Jesus says the second time, Peter, do you agape me? Peter says the second time, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Not quite the same kind of love. So the third time, Jesus says, Peter, do you phileo me? And Peter was grieved because the third time he said, do you phileo me? And he says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. Had nothing to do with three times he denied him. It had to do he was calling him up to a level and Peter knew better than to say he was at a level he was not. And so he spoke about the level that he was. It's a wonderful thing, but it's lost because people say he's trying to remind them that he denied them three times. He is not, nor is he trying to do it here. So why does he do it three times? There's two reasons why it could be. One, there are three guys that are coming and the number three would, would ring true for him. Or, here's the third one. I kind of like this one a little bit more than the other one. The third reason, I think I put it in there for your, for your blank. I better read it for you, right, right? Maybe I didn't. Yeah, I did. The vision was present, presented three times, either for emphasis or because Peter answered the same way. Now think about this. First time this thing comes down, Peter sees it. The Lord says, rise, Peter, kill and eat. And he says, no, 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 no. I've never eaten anything unclean or common. And the Lord says to him, what I have called clean, don't call unclean. And he does it again. Now, he's already declared those things to be clean, hasn't he? And he does it again. What's Peter say? No, no, Lord. I've never eaten anything common or unclean. And the Lord says a second time, Peter, what I have called clean, don't call unclean. And it happens a third time. And the third time, Peter answers the same way. Third time, he answers the same way. It's not quite getting it, is it? Now, he says, for I have not, never eaten anything common or unclean. Can you say that there is anything from the Word of God that you believe that you should or should not do that you have never or always done? Now, think about this. We know we're, How many of y'all know we're not supposed to worry? From the Word of God, don't worry. Do not worry. How many can say, I have never worried? Ever, not one time in my entire life. How many of you believe that if you jumped off a high bridge, you would die? 
How many of you have jumped off a high bridge? You see, some things we believe stronger than others. And those things keep us from it. But I'll bet you there's some things in the Word of God that it tells you to do and you have done them with everything that you can. And you can say, pretty close to what Peter said here, never done that. You said not to in your word and I have never done that. Because your belief is that strong. This is how strong this is of a belief in Peter. I have never given myself over that because I believe from your word that you said it was unclean. And the Lord said, I'm calling it clean. Go and eat it. It wasn't quite getting through to Peter. Now here's the problem. This is a, I, think, I think I put this as a blank on yours. Him saying something contrary to God's declaration is what the problem is. Peter eating or abstaining, that's not what's important here. What's important here is that God has said something and Peter is saying something contrary to it. How many times have we done that? God has said something to us and we speak things contrary. We speak things different from how God said it. See, we can't be doing that. That's where the problem comes in. If God speaks something, it's so. And from that point on, you should, that's how you should declare it. Now, I'll give you some examples on it. How many of you read it in the Word of God? Where God has good plans for you, plans for success. How many of you read that? How many believe that's... Then how come out of our mouth comes the things like, I don't think I'll ever be a success. I don't think this will ever be something I get past. I think this thing is going to take me down. I don't see any way out. Why is it nothing ever works out good for me? You see, when we say things like that, we are contradicting the very things that the Word of God has said. And I am making a declaration that is contrary to the declaration that God has made. Doing the same thing Peter did. Now, Peter did get over it. Hopefully we can too. Let's go on. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. Now, when you saw that vision, how many times have have you read this over before? And how many of us believe that because of this scripture, bacon is legal? How many, how many believe that? Because of this scripture, bacon is legal. How many are thankful every day that bacon is legal? Go out there and have a cheeseburger with what? Bacon. And guacamole. <laughs> but aren't we glad that bacon is, 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 a, is a good thing? How about um, you know, a pork roast? Oh, yeah. I, love, I like pork roast. And, you know, there's other things that, that we like that people in the Old Testament, they weren't supposed to eat. And we look at this and we say, well, Jesus has called it clean. Now, if that is the meaning that we are to get from this scripture, if that's the meaning, why is Peter thinking about it? Why is he thinking? If the meaning is so simple that God has said unclean animals are now, are now fair game. Rise, kill, and eat. 
if that's, if that's what's going on, why, why is he pondering on this vision? Because the main meaning we've pulled out of this is not the meaning that was intended at all. I'm not saying that you had to stop eating bacon. <laughs> you can all just rest and relax. Not going to come against your bacon theology. I like bacon too. <laughs> but if that is the meaning, there's no reason for Peter to sit there and think about it, is there? Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant. Now, way back when we were doing the study in the book of Acts a number of years ago, we spent more time on this. I'm just going to spend a little bit of time on this. Where is Peter? He's on the rooftop of what home? Simon the Tanner. What does a tanner do? They kill things and use their skins. What kind of things do they kill? Clean animals? Or unclean animals? Could be a little bit of both. So, get this picture. Here is Peter, who has never, in his entire life, because he said this to God. <laughs> he said this to God. God, you know, I have never eaten any of that. In the home of someone who kills animals for a living and uses their skin. And he's hungry. They're downstairs fixing stuff to eat. He's upstairs while that's going on. I think some of it, the reason he goes up there is just to get away from the smell. All the stuff going on that they're they're doing there. This is this has got to be tough for a Jewish boy to be staying here, but he was instructed to, and that's what he did. He he stayed here at this this home. He may be saying, "God, why do you want me staying here at this place?" But it was all for a purpose and all for a reason. And he's up there on the roof, and while he's up there on the roof, not necessarily doing anything spiritual, he's hungry. Not hungry because he's fasting. He's hungry because food's not ready yet. Isn't there a difference between hunger? Because you're fasting and hungry because the food is not ready yet. That's all that it is. Verse 18. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise therefore, go down and go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. Now you know God has few words. He gives you things in as few words as possible. He tells him, Arise therefore, go down and go with them. So there's the first instruction. Go downstairs, go to them, and go with them. Doubting nothing, for I have sent them. I hope we at least let them get something to eat first. Because you know, there is no Chick-fil-A on the way. Let's go on here. Then Peter went down to the men who had sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, 
was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. On the next day, Peter went away with them and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And Peter was coming in. Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, Stand up! I myself am also a man. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. And they said to him, You know how unlawful it is for Jewish men to keep company with or go to one of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. It would seem that the vision was not about meat, would it? He is saying what? God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. The vision was not about food, folks. The vision was about people. He used food to get there. But he had declared those foods to be clean. So, rest easy. You're okay to go home and have some bacon if you want. Or pulled pork sandwiches. Whatever you might be doing. Now picture this. Peter is up on the rooftop and God speaks to him directly and he says, look, I want you to go with them doubting nothing. Those are the big words there. I want you to go with them doubting nothing. That means whatever's going to happen along this way, what's he supposed to do? Don't, don't be in doubt. Have you ever had it that God has told you to take a job? God has told you to buy a car or buy a particular house. God has told you to make a certain investment. You, you had instructions from God. God cleared it for you. You went and checked with God. God, should I buy this car? God, should I buy this house? God, should I take this job? You've had clear instruction. God said, yes, take that job. And as you take that job, and as things go along with that, all of a sudden, things begin to happen. And you feel like, hmm. I'm not sure I should have taken this job. I'm not liking this job. Um, I know God, I really felt like God was telling me to buy this house, but I don't know, this house is, I think it's falling apart. I think it was a bad, bad thing to do. I know God told me to buy this car, but already I'm in the repair shop. You see, if God told, told Peter, he says, look, Peter, doubting nothing, the same way that doubts come up for you when you take a job, the same way doubts come up for you when you buy a car or buy a house or do whatever it is that God has told you to do, the same way those doubts can come up are coming up inside Peter as he's going along the way. And look at some of the things that he faced. When he gets out there, he gets out to Caesarea, where Cornelius is. As Peter was coming in, well, he meets him and he worships him. Well, this isn't this isn't godly. This shouldn't be going on. I mean, if this guy, if, if God's ministering with him, why is he bowing down worshiping me? And sometimes, you know, we just kind of want to, we want to get out. I think I've told you this story before, but you want to hear a story about doubting nothing. Uh, when, when I first started moving into this area of uh, listening to this realm of the Spirit, you may remember me telling you this story, but it's, uh, it, was, it was pretty funny. And um, my first time down at Ramah, I've gone away there, and uh, you know, sometimes at King's I was able to come home for Thanksgiving and sometimes we had meats and things like that so I wasn't so it wasn't too uncommon for me not to come home on Thanksgiving 
but certainly you're not going to fly all the way from Oklahoma for a weekend. So uh, I didn't come home on Thanksgiving. I was staying around when the people in the, in the place I was working at, they knew I was staying around there. And so some of them just came up to me and said, look, we're going to have a party. And if you like, come on out to the party. And I said, no, thank you. I don't really want to go to a party. I didn't say it that way. I said, I appreciate the offer, but I'm, I'm okay. Thank you. Um, and I turned it down. And a little while later, God was dealing with me. He says, no, go to that party. I said, Father God, I have never in my life ever been to such a party. <laughs> and that was true. I had never ever been to such a party as I figured that they were inviting me to. And I did not ever want to go to one of those parties. I wanted to continue to be able to say, I have never ever been to one of those parties before. <laughs> and the Lord said, no, go to that party. You want me to go to that party. Do you know what they're going to be doing there? They're going to be drinking. I don't drink. I don't like to be around drinking. I don't like to be around drinks. I don't like to be around what they're probably going to be doing. I know I don't like, I don't know what goes on there, but I know I don't like it. <laughs> I don't want to go. And God dealt with me. So I, I came back in the restaurant and I told him, I said, look, I'll go ahead and go to the party. Thank you for the invitation. And so um, I didn't have a car. So I got a ride with somebody else. And so we pulled up to the house and we walked in. Still, I am friends with the person whose house, who owned this house. And uh, they just recently uh, let me know that they had sold it. Not for any other reasons. And, you know, I just knew they were selling it. They were building the house. And so they had it all these years. Very, very nice house. And as we're coming up to the house, there is a paper bag on the porch with a bunch of paper bags in it. And it says on the paper bag, if nudity offends you, wear one of these. I said, dear God, I know I miss God now. <laughs> I was convinced. I knew I missed God. This is it. It's going to get all over. Raymond's going to find out that I went to a party that had this kind of activity going on. Dear Lord, what am I going to do? And I, I doubted. I, I know exactly what Peter's going through on, on this whole thing because I doubted. I said, I know I miss God. I know it. I, I'm, God, I'm sorry. I, I have no way home. I'll, I will gladly sit out here on the porch for the entire time instead of going in there if that's go, going to be what happens. And uh, I, I'm supposed to keep on going. So I, I, I kept on going and I went inside. Apprehension like you cannot believe. It was, I was so unsure and so nervous about this whole thing. I didn't know what kind of things that they're going to be doing in this kind of a party. And so uh, one of the waitresses who worked at the restaurant, she came over and she brought me a Diet Coke. And she brought it over and she says, that's all that's in it. And I knew I could trust her. To this day, I still would trust her. I still still know her and, and uh, I knew I could trust her. And so I sat there sipping my Diet Coke and we got into a huge conversation about end time events. In fact, the entire night was spent talking about the Bible. And there was no nudity. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> so um, we, I came home from that party, did my assignment. Thank God it's over and nothing bad happened. I, I survived. And uh, later on, I got another invitation to a party. I said the exact same thing. Thank you very much. I will turn that down. And uh, I, di I didn't go. And the Lord came up to me again. And he says, uh, nope, go to the party. I said, man, I already went to one of these things. But I was a little bit you know, easier to, to not doubt. And so I went to the party a second time. And again, we sat and we talked about the Bible the entire time. 
They had questions. They were firing questions back. Well, maybe these people are not in church, but they fired question after question about the Bible, about God, about things. And we sat there the whole night. We talked about God. And that's all we did. I mean, I can enjoy that kind of a party. That's a, that's a good kind of party. And so on the way home, I was in the back seat. And uh, the gentleman who was uh, sitting next to me is a younger, younger one than I was. Um, and he accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as a Savior on the way home. Now, they invited me to other parties. And I always said, no, I thank you. And uh, never again did God say, yeah, go ahead and do that party. I only had to go to two. But you had to listen to that, that voice that comes up. I didn't have any vision. I didn't have any dream. I just had an inward voice that said, go. And so I went and we did that and uh, things happened. And, you know, what came from that? I don't know. I was just there to, I guess, to plant some seeds and to, to help some things in, in that area. I didn't know all the people that were at the party. I knew some of the people that worked at the restaurant. But that's where we, we left that. So he says here, doubting nothing. Doubting nothing. It's really easy to have doubts about the things that God told you to do. But he's told them here, don't, don't doubt anything. You just keep going. And so, Peter, when he was given the vision, what does God tell him to say in the vision? He doesn't tell him to say anything, does he? There's not a single instruction about what to say. Except that we go over to Cornelius, and when he had his vision, what did God tell him that Peter was going to speak? He's going, to, he's going to speak words. Words that will help you. How did he phrase it in there? Do you have that up there, Daryl? I didn't ask him to pull that up, but if you, I can go back in my notes and, and grab it, but if you got it there, he was... Um, thank you, sir. And we are going down to... There he goes was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Now back a little further than that, you'll see the, the, um, the wording of how God actually put it to him. That's the summary that the, uh, the men came. So I think it's in the verse. And when he was, in verse 4, And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Do you get the idea from what God says that Peter will know what to say? But in the vision with Peter, does God tell Peter what to say? He doesn't say anything, does he? And in fact, as we get into the story... It gets really interesting. Where did we leave off when we were done? Verse 28. Thank you. I appreciate him bowing back there, keeping an eye on me. <laughs> um, then he said to him, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or to go to one another of another nation. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. That's the meaning of the vision. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then, for what reason have you sent me? Sent for me. Does Peter know what he's supposed to say? Do the men know what he's supposed to say? 
No. Well, it goes on. So Cornelius said, Four days ago I was fasting until this, this hour, and at the ninth hour I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things God commanded you or commanded you by God. <laughs> all right, we got what we call a big miscommunication here. Because Cornelius is sending for somebody who has the words of God, and Peter is being sent to someone he figures has a question. Why have you... Now tell me, why have you called me? Why have you sent for me? Tell me what's going on here. And they say, well, we did it because we had this vision, and God said, uh, you know, you would come and you would tell us things. So, here we are. And he's expecting to come to a house, you know, with some people in it, but apparently Cornelius went out there in, in, the, in the days that he had, hey, you got to come out, Peter is coming, and he's going to speak some things. He has the words of God to come and to speak to us. You need to come on out here and hear this. And he has a crowd. Peter, as we, we kind of read over it fast, but Peter's actually kind of surprised at how many people are in the house. This is a lot of people in the house. I mean, we got it's like we're having church here. And he says, um, we're ready to hear whatever God has told you to say and God didn't tell him to say anything. What would you do in that situation? Remember the words of God. Doubting nothing. Could you come up with some doubts at this moment? Why am I here? Did I, did I interpret this right? Am I in the right place? Is there another, another Cornelius in the city? <laughs> you could be doubting some things, right? But what do you say? Doubting nothing. So, he's not supposed to doubt. So, he gets the idea real quick. All right, you guys sent me, but you don't have anything that you're asking me. God just told me to, to come, and God didn't tell me what to say. But here I am. Hmm. Look at what he does. And Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace throughout Jesus, through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. The word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of these things, of all these things, which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge and of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter 
because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized, who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, and they asked him to stay a few days. So, again, look at the, the, the scenario. The man has a vision to send for, for Peter, who's going to have something to say. Peter, go with them. Don't doubt anything. He gets there. They don't have anything to ask. He doesn't have anything to say. So what's he do? The Word of God says, and Peter opened his mouth. That's the person who is not going to doubt. All right. If you have sent me here, and you have put me in this place, Then he opened his mouth and he spoke what God gave him. Now, when you open up your mouth to speak, as Peter's doing here, you have two places that you can draw from. You can draw from your spirit, which is the words of God, or you can draw from your mind, the words that you can conjure up. Because of the results of this, the Holy Spirit came, fell down upon the place. I'd have to assume that he drew from the spirit, wouldn't you? So what kind of things did he do to get himself in a place that he could draw from the Spirit? Because I'll tell you what, folks, we all would like to be in a place that we can draw from the Spirit. What is the Spirit saying? What is the Spirit doing? What is, what is going on in, in that realm? So we saw some of that at the end of worship here today. Words came. Worship spurred on. You can tap into, into that with the Spirit, what the Spirit does. It's because people follow after what God is saying. What God is speaking to do. We have to draw from our spirit. But too often Christians are drawn from their heads. They're not drawn from their spirit. He starts here. He opened his mouth. He opened his mouth. Now I put this in your outline for you. I think I did. No, I didn't. I think I may have taken some of these out. So if I read some of these off and you don't have them, that's fine. But what we stir up is usually where we will minister from. The things that we stir up, folks, this is where we're going to minister from. What kind of things are you stirring up? What kind of things do you stir up? Because this is what you minister from. We can stir up our flesh. We can stir up our mind. We can stir up our spirit. And this is where you can, you can minister from. God needed Peter to grow and, and he was doing some extra pruning on Peter. Now before we covered this, I, I got more into this aspect of it. I'm just going to mention it to you here. God is, has gotten into an aspect with Peter in that he is pruning some things off of Peter's life that are not causing Peter any problems. Is Peter having any trouble with not eating pork? Is he having any trouble with staying with just the Jewish people and ministering to them? He's not. He's not having any trouble. This is not causing him any hardship. But God says, Peter, I've got a place I want to take you. I've got some things I want to move you into. And if I'm going to move you into those places, I need to prune some things off that you don't see causing you any trouble. That you don't see being a problem at all. But I see them as a problem if I'm going to take you where you want to be. So he's pruning some things off of the life of Peter. That for the most part, he could let go in most Christians. And they wouldn't be causing them any issues. But Peter, I need to be able to take you some places. I want to be able to take you out to the Corneliuses of the world. I want to be able to take you out to these places 
and have you minister and have my spirit fall upon them. Peter, you can do it. Peter rose to the occasion. And he did it. Let's wrap this all up here. We need to practice activating our spirit. I need to know how to activate my spirit. For the most part, Christians' teaching on this area of activating the spirit comes to the point that we think if I pray in the spirit, I am activating my spirit. And yet the word of God tells us in Jude, he says, building yourself up on your most holy faith. What? Praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit is going to accomplish a couple of things for you. First off, it's going to build you up. You're going to be able to pray things that are beyond your knowledge. I don't know what the will of God is here, but the Spirit of God knows. He can pray it through me. That's one of the reasons that you do that. You, you transcend your, your, what you know, so therefore you can pray beyond it. That's why he, he put praying in tongues in the, in the Word of God for us as, a, as one of the gifts here for us to walk, to walk in. So pray in tongues. Certainly that is good to do. But that is not necessarily going to activate you in the, in the realm of the Spirit to what you need to do. Now, we have lots of practice activating our flesh and acting from it, don't we? Anger, envy, worry, fear. How many other things you want to list there? These are things that, act, that activate your flesh. When I just get angry because my rights were violated, because something didn't go my way, I am stirring up anger. I'm stirring up my flesh. And what kind of a reaction am I going to have? I'm going to have a flesh reaction. How many of you, when you were angry, don't raise your hand, when you were angry, did something that you were sorry for later on? Because you spoke it out of your flesh. And later on, when you came back down to earth, your spirit took over again. Oh, I can't believe I said that. Oh, I can't believe I did that. Oh, we got upset with that. See, we have practice activating our flesh. You can't sit there and worry and fear and envy and be jealous and I'll have all these things come up and be activating your spirit. It won't happen. But then sometimes we go into another direction and we pray from our head. How do I know if I'm praying from my head? When you use the same words every time you pray. When you are always asking God for the same thing. Oh, Father God, I just pray that you move among us. Oh, Father God, I just pray that you use us now. Oh, Father, we just want to be willing vessels that you use. You see, if I pray those same things all the time, I'm praying from my head. I'm not praying from my spirit. And if I pray from my head, what am I activating? I'm activating my head, not my spirit. So whatever I get is coming from my head. It's not coming from my spirit. But I'll try and pass it off as spirit. But it's coming from my head. Now you can't, you can't be doing that. You see, your, your, your head is not capable of receiving the things from God. It's your spirit that does. In my head, I can pray the word. With my head. I can pray the word. And it, the word of God talks about renewing your mind. And you should renew your mind. And... Just because you're praying from your head doesn't mean it's bad. It can be okay. But it's not going to activate your spirit. It's not going to activate ministry in the realm of the spirit by praying what's in your head. But go ahead and pray what's in your head. Get your head renewed. Get your mind renewed. And pray off of that. Sometimes you may just want to walk around and just pray what comes to your mind 
in the area of the Word of God. And that's fine. But just understand that's not going to activate the depth of the Spirit that you're trying to do. So if you get into the prayer room before church, or if you're going to minister in some particular place, and you go and you begin to pray, and all you pray is words from your head, you haven't activated a thing. But you think you have. But you haven't activated anything. I go out there and every time I get in the prayer room with the, with the saints, and every time I get in there, oh, Father God, just use us. We just want to be willing vessels for you. I'm saying these because this is what people say all the time. Not having anybody in mind. Oh, we just want to be willing vessels for you. Oh, Father God, use us this day. Let us decrease. Let you increase. We just say these kind of things. But you see, it's not coming from my spirit. See, when you get into prayer time before, you better already be in a position for God to use you. That's not the time to get in position. You better already be in position. If you're using a prayer time before service, before prayer time before ministry time, if you're using that to get yourself in a position, you're already too late. You should already be in a position to do that. You should already be dedicated to the service of God. Why in the world you got to do it again? If you ever see me get in a prayer room before service and I start saying, Father God, I just, I just want to dedicate myself to you, just know some alien person has overtaken my body. <laughs> I won't pray that. Well, I just want to renew it. Well, fine. Go renew it on your own time. This is ministry time. This is time getting us ready for, the, for important things. We don't need to be, uh, be doing that sort of stuff. We need to be focused. What are we doing? So you see, you've got to tap into your spirit. What's your spirit saying? What's your spirit saying to do? And here's the... Did I get there yet? I'm going to get ahead of myself. I kind of think... Oh, well, it's, if we pray with our head or our mind, the same words, same requests all the time, that's where we're going to minister from, from the service. That's all you can do. Because that's all you stirred up. To get out of the mental acti- activation... Stop speaking the same words. Stop it. Just just quit it. Just hush your mouth. You are better off not saying anything than saying the same mind-activated words. Better off not saying a thing. Well, I won't say anything. I'll just pray in the Spirit. Fine, but you're still not activating your Spirit. You're building yourself up, but you're not activating your Spirit. There's one key ingredient that you're missing. In all these things. And why it doesn't activate your spirit. And it will make sense to you once you see it. All those things don't have the main ingredients that you need. Remember the disciples with the leaven? Jesus says, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they said, it's because we forgot to take bread. You see, they heard spiritual words. And they only heard it in their mind. And therefore, they didn't get anything they were supposed to get. Out of what Jesus said. And Jesus said to stop. And to, and to deal with it. Jesus spoke the parable to them of the parable of the sower. And they came back to him and says, uh, what's that mean? Now sometimes when Jesus would explain a parable, he says, look, don't you guys get this yet? You should be getting this. You've got to get out of that mental, mental area. Peter was not praying in the Spirit as far as we know up on that rooftop. He got the vision. And then he began to ponder it. To think on it. And then God spoke to him something to do. 
Three men are coming. Go with them, doubting nothing. And so what did Peter do? Got up. He went down. Identified himself. I'm the guy that you're looking for. I will go with you. But we don't have any, any indication that he was spending any time praying in the Spirit. We don't have any indication that he spent time praying in the Spirit on his way over to, to, uh, to the house. We don't have it. So here's what you ought to be doing. I think I left these in your outline. I had to knock out a whole lot of stuff just to make sure I was able to leave these things in here. But first off, meditate on what God said to draw out the meaning. He was meditating on what God said to draw out the meaning. You need to sometimes just spend some time meditating on what God has said so you can draw out the meaning of the thing. That's activating your spirit. Because I'm not going into my head. I'm going into my spirit. I'm pulling from my spirit. What is my spirit saying to do? Saying to, 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 or telling me to learn? What is coming to my spirit? I'm activating that, that spiritual part. That's the thing that I need to listen to. Hearing and acting on what God wants to do. He heard what God said to do and he acted on it. If you hear something that God says to do and you act on it, what are you doing? But you're acting in faith. You see, tongues doesn't take faith. doesn't take faith because I don't know I don't have an understanding of it faith has an understanding I have to I have to know something Peter got up and went with him there's an act of faith that's involved do what God says to do sometimes in worship God may be telling you like brother now was saying sometimes he might tell you to get up and run well no I'm not going to do that your mind can, can shut that off but listen to what God says to do when God says to do something, get out there and do it. That's activating your spirit. When you activate your spirit, those things go on. We, uh, uh, some of us, I, I shared this with a, with a group, didn't share with the whole church yet. I don't think uh, most of you listened to the one I shared with your brother Copeland, so there wasn't any sense in sharing the other one too. But this, one, this was the deep one. So I just shared it with uh, some, most of our, our worship team. I mean, it was a, there were some tough things to hear on this one. But boy, it was good. It was good, but this uh, particular lady, she uh, was sharing a story of a particular minister who, while he, I believe he was preaching, I believe he was preaching, and, and while the service is going on, the Spirit of God says, I want you to deal with suicide. I want you to call that out right now. And, um, well, he, he talked himself out of it. And he didn't do it. I'll do it at the end of the service. We'll, we'll have a time to, to minister for people for suicide. Um, and we'll lay hands on them. But, he, but it came to him in the middle of the service. And so he bypassed it and he, he, uh, he didn't do it. Well, it turned out that there was someone thinking about suicide. And before the service was over, they had gone out somewhere. I'm not, I forget the story. It was a while ago I heard it. They had gone out somewhere and they, they killed themselves. And the Spirit of God said to this particular minister, He says, I will require, require that of you. Now you see, there's obedience to the things of the Spirit. There's obedience to it. You've got to listen. And when He says to do something, then you've got to do it. Sometimes you're going to see this when you're out at the store and God says, go over and talk to that person. Go over and say this to that person. Well, I don't know their situation. How do I know that? See, I'm doubting. 
I'm not activating my spirit. What am I activating? My mind. I'm figuring it out. See, most of the time we spend time activating our minds and we minister from our minds. We've got to activate our spirit. Minister from our spirits. See, Peter did that. What happened on this service? Holy Spirit fell down. And people who had not even baptized yet are baptized in the Spirit. And he says, well, I guess since they're baptized in the Spirit, we can uh, baptize them in water now, huh? And so they went out there and do it. I put in your outline, I believe, the things that engage your faith will do the most to move you into ministering from your spirit, not your mind. It's the things that engage your faith. That's what's going to stir up your spirit. Repetitious phrases. What does God say about repetitious phrases? And I've heard Christian people who even quote that verse of Scripture, repetitious phrases, who still go out and they'll say repetitious things in prayer. If you're going to have a time of prayer before service, before ministry time, before you're going to get out there and do things, don't just be looking to make prayers of dedication. Don't just be making prayers that, oh God, we just want to have the door open for you to move. No. Tap into your spirit. What is God speaking to your spirit? See, some of that might be that I feel the spirit of God telling us to pray this on this particular verse. That this particular verse is something for today. And you, you pray that particular verse and then the worship service goes in a particular direction and ministers in that way. Brother Naz or Brother Jolly get up and they minister in, in such a direction. And other things happen and ministry goes in that direction. Why? Because somebody obeyed God and didn't just say repetitious phrases that come to their head. They said what the Spirit of God told them to say. That's a much deeper place to go. But that stirs up your spirit. We ought to get uncontent with ministry from our head. You have a spirit in you, a spirit put there by God. It's the spirit of God. Draw from it. It's there to be drawn from. God says, it's at your disposal. Stop messing with stuff in the mind. Go down into the, go down into the well. Go down into the well. Pull something out from the well and bring that, bring that in. That's what we've got to do. Go down to the well and pull it out. I want to read for you from a passage of Scripture that we read this week if you are reading in our daily reading together. Mark chapter 7, verse 5. Then the Pharisees and scribes asked him, How do your disciples not walk according to the traditions of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? He answered and said to them, Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the tradition of men, the washing of pitchers and cups, and many other such things you do. He said to them, All too well you reject the commandment of God, that you may keep your tradition. Head on down to, I believe it's verse 14, where we pick this up. And when he had called all the multitude to himself, he said to them, Hear me, everyone, and understand. There is nothing that enters a man from outside which can defile him, but the things which come out of him, those are the things that defile a man. 
If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Going to 17. When he had entered a house away from the crowd, now there's another section of scripture. I mean, we may have already gone past it. But this is what Jesus is telling us to do. The things that come out, that's what defiles you. And we sometimes think of filthiness. And, and, but if I, if I speak things from my head as if they're coming from my spirit, is that good? That's not good, is it? That's, that's not what we want to be doing. If you, have, if you are a particularly good cook and somebody made something terrible because they're not a very good cook and they presented it to someone, here, so-and-so made this and they use your name. Would you like it? No, don't you put my name on that. I didn't make that. You made it. You tell him you made it. Right? Why would God want his name on something that you conjured up? He doesn't want it. God wants the things that he's done. He's going to, he, they're there in your spirit. They're there. You got to stir it up. You got to tap into it. It doesn't just happen. You have to tap into it. We looked at two episodes. Joseph with the dream. Peter with the vision. And both times, they saw what was there. Other people got a meaning. But they pressed in for something deeper. Because they knew down in their spirit, I can get this. And Joseph did, and we saw the huge things that that brought about. And Peter does. And as soon as he gets to the men, he says, God has shown me that men, people, are not unclean. Whether they're Jew or Gentile. And folks, it goes beyond that too because the Word of God has certainly talked about it. It doesn't matter if they're black or white. It doesn't matter if they're brown. It doesn't matter if they're Asian, Indian. It don't matter. No one is unclean because of that. Don't ever look at someone as being unclean like that. Folks, we've got to get to the place where we don't call someone unclean because they're wearing a hoodie. Because we don't like the way their hair is. Not everybody can have great hair like me. <laughs> Just because I don't like the way they're, they, they put their makeup on. Where they wear their clothes. kind of shoes that they wear. No, don't be doing it. Don't call anyone unclean. You go out there and you find out what's in their heart because it's what's inside of a person. That is what causes them to be clean or unclean. That's what causes them to be that way. Don't get past the clothes that are on their, on their outside. Sometimes folks, we even have to get past the words that they speak. Now let's get into it. Let's find out. Who are you? What's going on, on the inside of you? What does God have that I can share with you? We look for ministry. Stir up your spirit. Some of the ways people behave, that can stir up your flesh. It can stir up your mind. But you've got to be able to go beyond it. And no matter who comes across your path, I can stir up what's in my spirit and speak from my spirit. I don't have to speak from my mind. When you learn how to do that, the prayer groups that you are involved with will change.
your own personal time of prayer, it will change. Your ministry time will change. What you are speaking to other people and the effect it will have on them, it will change. When you learn how to not speak from your head, but to speak from your spirit. And the only way that that comes, folks, the only way that comes is if I learn how to draw off of it. Learn how to draw off your spirit. We still have more to get into the Word of God on how to draw off the spirit. Because we've, we've, we've made it too, we made it seem too easy. Well, I'll just go pray in the spirit for an hour and then I'll be in the spirit and I'll be able to do things. But you haven't done a thing to activate your, flesh, or your faith. Not a thing to activate your faith. If you haven't activated your faith, how have you activated your spirit? And understand this. God will put you in places and the Wawa at the giant food market, all kinds of places at the gas station. And He will speak things in your spirit to do. And you need to get yourself to the point where you don't take what's in your spirit, bring it up to your head and check it out. But when he speaks something to your spirit, you just do it. All right, I'll go ahead and do it. The devil will come and he'll get you trying to doubt things. Well, that didn't do any good, did it? Well, I don't know. I did what God told me to do. That's all I needed to to do. Do what God told me to do. And it will have great, great effects for your life. Their life too. But this week, be mindful. Am I... Am I acting from my mind? Am I acting from my flesh? Or am I acting from my spirit? I want you to have that assignment this week. I want you to think on everything you're doing. Did that come out of my spirit? Did I get something in my spirit? Am I checking that with my head? Am I just acting with what's in my head? What's going on here? Write it down. Make yourself some notes. Find out how much am I truly acting by what's coming to my spirit? How much is what's coming to my spirit changing the way I go about what I do? Or is everything going through my head? Would you all stand up with me? Glory to God. Father, we thank you. You have given us on the inside a very powerful tool. A spirit born of God. That this spirit... This new creation that you have placed on the inside of us is there because we are born again. Because we have received Jesus. We don't have to ask for it. We've already got it. Father, we need to live according to this new creation, not according to the old. We've got to take what comes to our spirit and believe it and act on it and not keep checking everything out with our head. Father, I thank you that you bring us to great places to do great things just as you used Peter here in this situation to set revival off in this particular area among people who had not received the Word of God, who had not received the Spirit of God, but the Spirit of God fell on them because one man listened and he obeyed. How much more if we all listen and we all obey? So I thank you, Father, that you will continue to speak to us this week. And we will be attentive. We will listen. And when you speak something to us, we will do it. We will obey. 
We won't walk around doubting. We won't walk around in fear. But we will do those things that you told us to do. I thank you for it. I give you the praise and the glory. Very head bowed, eyes not open. How many here would raise your hand and say, This week I am going to have a renewed boldness to obey the voice of my spirit. Raise your hand. Glory to God. Father God, you see all these hands that are raised. I thank you that this week you give them that opportunity. While it's fresh in our minds, speak to us. And we will listen. We want to hear this word for us. Now for the people that are around us, and this person needs to do this, and this person... Nope, this is for us. I am going to bring myself to that place. I am going to obey and do what God says. I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you all for being here with us today. We have some... We have a a praise report. We'll read for you. Anybody else has one? They've got time. Hand it over to one of our ushers. God protected us as we were flying into Orlando by making the pilot aware of another plane that was on the runway in the space that we were attempting to, to land, thus avoiding a collision. Wow. That is a... <laughs> and that became known. Isn't that, isn't that neat? And God will certainly do it for those that are His on board. He'll save a whole plane because he's got his, his kids on there. He will do that. On Wednesday, we're going to be hearing from Sister Ara. She's going to be putting some things together. And uh, do you know how much time you're going to, you're going to use the whole thing? 30 minutes? All right. Now, I was thinking about this too, but uh, yeah, Sister Ento was also away on a mission trip. Do you want to bring some things from that one? Because we have more than 30 minutes. But, uh, you know, the rest of the time we'd be there, I wouldn't do Hebrews justice. Because I know she's going away on a couple of them, but sometimes we just get, oh, by the way, I'm leaving for a mission trip. And then she, oh, so <laughs> she just loves mission trip. But if you have some from, I know people would love to, to see that. So Wednesday night we're going to be doing some of that. We'll see some of the things that went on the, on the two mission trips. We'll start off with uh, Sister Ara. And uh, we'll have pictures and things like that. So come on out. That's going to be your best way to experience it. If you can't be here... We will put it up on Facebook and we'll flash back and forth so you can see the pictures uh, as best you can on that. That'll go on as well. So Facebook will be, be, uh, be happening. And so we more than likely won't be getting into Hebrews this particular week, but um, we'll get into to some of the ones. Um, we'll get into some more, I guess, in, a, in a two weeks from here. Uh, we were on Mo's, uh, yeah, Noah this week in there. And I'll have that up for you on the on there. The, the things that Noah faced, I don't think we're always aware. Ethel was alluding to some of those. We'll get into more of it if you listen to the podcast. But the things that he was, he was against, that were against him. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible what he faced. And uh, what, I, what he very likely faced. And he stood up to it. Him. And the few members in his family. How much more can we, with the discouragement and the things that come against us, we can certainly do do even better for that. And um, um, when is your last Sunday here? Next Sunday. All right. You'll have time for us afterwards to lay hands on you, pray for you. They're going away for a month, heading over to to uh, home, get to visit their house. You have a house over there. <laughs> so you get a chance to visit the house that's, that's out that way. 
That's it. Other people use it in the meantime. You even got a car over there too, right? Yeah. All right. So they're going over there for about a month and, um, and visiting there. All right. So I'll stand up again.